0: This is Brandon M. Crooker, and you're listening to the Apostolic Theory Podcast. Today we have a, a very special guest that you all have, I'm sure, come to, to know and love. And if you haven't, um, he's a tremendous man of God. He's He's got an incredible ministry, um, author of... I don't know how many books have you authored now
1: I I have lost count but it's over 30 so (laughs) (laughs) that's all I know
0: so uh, I gotta go sit down
1: and count for some point
0: this is a a very um, a very unique uh, episode um, because I wanna we we talked a little bit about um, making sure that we get this episode out there to encourage uh, apostolic authors, um, and so, uh, Brother Kuhn, why don't you just tell uh, our listeners, maybe the ones who haven't um, heard your previous uh, episodes with me, uh, just tell them a little bit about yourself, what you're doing, um, several books maybe that you've authored, uh, and we'll just we'll roll with it. Uh,
1: well. These- Days, Norman, and I are co-pastor of Calvary Pentecostal Church in Springfield, Missouri, and uh, God's blessed us with with growth and progress. Uh, when when we arrived, I, we were a week forty, and now we're a, we're a strong hundred. So, uh, God's blessed in these six years, and and we're winning new people, and I'm I'm very thankful for that. Through the years. Spent a little bit of time. Well, not a little. I guess eight plus years is more than a little. As an evangelist, and and then in in a young church, and then it pastored a prior church. When we arrived, it had about eighty, and just when we went to headquarters, we were we were steadily a little over three hundred. So so we we've seen God do some good things, and a lot of it's just doing my best to stay out of His way uh, and not complicate things for him um but uh, i've enjoyed i've enjoyed the adventure of writing and uh i think part of that is that i had i had always read very prolifically uh, uh, from childhood on and as a as a pastor my library had been Thousands and thousands, thousands of volumes, not all of which I read, of course, but many of which was there as resources, and uh, so it's kind of a natural thing, I guess, at some juncture for me to want to, to write uh, the books that I've written of late. Uh, I wrote the science of shepherding, which is about shepherding in the being a pastor in the 21st century, and. Again, it's it's practical. I try to deal with the four things that that Ezekiel talks about. That a shepherd, a good shepherd, does. He leads the flock. He he, he feeds the flock. He heals them when they're hurting. And, and if there are some who are wandering, he seeks the wanderer. Um, so I, I talk about that for for the United Pentecostal Church, which is my home organization. Um, I wrote a book uh, that is required for everybody who's seeking ordination. It's uh, the details matter. And um, it's kind of interesting that they asked me to write that because it's about administration. I am not a natural administrator. I do not like administration. Um, But I probably was the right guy to write it because it doesn't just come naturally to me. Uh, I have to make myself do or Pass on to somebody else who will then report to me the work of administration. Um, it's a it, it's been well received, um, and I get pretty constant feedback from guys. I guess most of them are seeking coordination. That uh, and I have a strong leadership base for that beyond the the UPCI. So again, that's that's some of the things that over the last three or four years I've I've written
0: so what what prompted you um, to begin um, writing to begin this because really uh, you have a specific ministry as an author outside of your role as pastor uh, so so what prompted you to begin writing
1: well uh, I, I guess I guess the was made a little bit fertile in that uh, one of my uncles, Crawford Coon, who was also uh, a mentor in my life, um, had written a book of of studies that pastors were able to use. Well, I at, at that particular point I was in my mid thirties, and I didn't. I didn't see that as what I wanted to do. But I taught a series to our church uh, called The Daily Things of Christian Living. And there are actually seven things that are spoken of in the New Testament that people were either instructed to do on a daily basis or there was an example given. The Bereans were daily in the Word. Paul said, I die daily. Jesus taught. Give us this day our daily bread. So I taught these seven things to our congregation. And uh, I, I felt I felt very strongly that that these seven things if they could become habits for people to do on a daily basis consistently exhorting one another daily what it's called today. If they could do those things on a daily
0: basis it would make our Christian living much more
1: consistent. And so I felt it needed a larger audience. And um, generally that's always been what's nudged me is that I have something that I feel like needs to be read and needs to go beyond where I can go. And and I, I feel that writing really needs to take place because through changes of technology, I have at one time I had thousands and thousands of cassette tapes. Uh, technology's changed the game. It's changed the game with CDs, changed the game with, and, and it will continue to change the game. So I, I don't have the opportunity to listen to Charles Spurgeon preach a sermon. But I can read Charles Spurgeon's books from the 1800s. Okay, so the written word outlives the spoken word. So there, there may be people who 50 years after I'm gone could still be influenced by something I write. Mm-hmm. It is unlikely that they will be influenced by something I say so I see this as a really important thing to get our thinking
0: people doing more
1: of, is
0: writing. So along the same lines, I mean, you you mentioned that you've written over 30 titles. Um, What are you currently working on right now? Well, the one I desperately need to finish is Uh, a 30th anniversary edition of, of the daily things
1: of Christian living. Um, and it will be a total rewrite. Even the sequence of the chapters won't be the same. Um, and, and as I have, as I have read and added to and edited, uh, I've come to realize that, uh, I wasn't a very good writer back then. Um, but I did have sense enough to send it to two, though, no, to seven. I sent it to seven guys and ladies who were highly educated and told them in my cover letter, I don't want you to tell me that this is good. I want you to send it back with red ink on every page. And so that's what they did. And so I took their edits and, and it sure enough would have been a mess if I hadn't had sense enough to do that. Um and, but, but as I read it, I realize how much I've learned in the, in the ensuing years. I also realized how much the world has changed and what access the world has that it didn't have 30 years ago and what access that we have to them. I mean, when our, our services are all online and. We we will regularly get responses from Australia, Fiji Islands, South Africa. You know, it's just, there's, you know, the world's our oyster right now when it comes to to all of this. And e-books and and even print medium, uh, you have people that are, you know, all over the world that are
0: buying this kind of stuff. Right. So in your 30 years of involvement... What has changed about the publishing world? Um, everything. <laughs> <laughs> and that's
1: and that's pretty much the case. Uh, 30 years ago uh, you either went with a major publisher, which was very hard to do, or you could go with um, and these still exist, I don't Vanity press is what they're called and I I discourage anybody from ever using a vanity press because they cost way more than you can way more than if you do it by yourself and they're not going to actually give you much of a better product if if it's any better at all and they're unlikely to help you sell any more of the books but 30 years ago if a person self-published which is what I did with those early books And have done with almost all of my books to get a decent price on the book. You had to purchase three or four or 5,000 of that book. Well, when I wrote Daily Things of Christian Living, I wrote, I bought 4,000 copies in order to get a decent price. Um, I was selling the book then for for $8. I think that it, I think buying that many had, had ended up costing me about dollars and 15 cents a book um so I have 4,000 of these things and and it took 29 years to sell those 4,000 books and if I had not constantly been writing additional material they never would have sold them. so we'd have had to eat them with salt and pepper but the the challenge back then was that when you printed the book and you put it on the shelf, it was like it was like you were stacking money on the shelf because your inventory was flat out cash out of pocket. Well, now with print-on-demand, um, you know, I, I I think daily things of Christian living at its length would would cost me two dollars and sixty one cents nowadays to have printed on demand. Now obviously that's not the only cost in the book, but that's that's the printing. So that is a major change that you don't have to have a lot of cash outlay. Uh you don't have to buy five hundred or thousand or four thousand books. Um the and this is important because a, a best-selling author for our major publisher will be an author who sells 300 books. Now, the exception of that will be a gentleman who has the initials DKB, David K. Bernard. He will sell more uh, books than that. But for most of us, and there have been some others who are now beginning to break out and I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, so there were too few opportunities and too few opportunities uh, and publishers that were interested in in what anybody had. And then if you went with them or if they purchased your books, When when your book was three months old, it's then considered backlist, okay? No publisher has any interest in marketing their backlist very extensively. Well, that's another major change. I don't have to wait on somebody else to market my book through a mailer or flyer. I can do it to my own email list, I could do it on Facebook, Instagram and again, that's just a major, okay in those days, I had to go to uh, somebody who was a graphic artist and uh, if they lived in another part of the country, we'd work back and forth and it, it might take months to get a cover that we were all pleased with, okay these days, you go online and freelancer.com and Fiverr and you post your job project and in a matter of minutes you will have people who are saying I can do this project and I'll have it to you in two days and we'll give you unlimited number of revisions and we'll have it finished within a week. Okay. That's that's a major difference. It's also much less expensive than it was back then. I'm able to, um, I'm able to market my backlist, and through partnering with uh, Amazon, I'm able to to sell. Uh, you have resources like Grammarly, which will check uh, your grammar and and does a whole lot of very very extensive stuff that it kind of digs in and does. Um, Having a platform is something a guy can do now that he couldn't do back then. E books are the arriving thing and I, I was really late waking up to that. Audiobooks, uh again, I don't know where my head was at because I listened to audiobooks. But back then it was all on cassette. Well, now, you know, it's on the phone or it's on iPad or, or whatever the case would be. Um now for a few hundred dollars I can have my book turned into an audio book and it'd be available on on uh, Amazon so there is a there's a huge expansion of the market and access to people who we did not have access to before Um, I'm learning that if I will take one of my books and put it uh I I sell using Kindle Direct publishing and if I will give them the opportunity for it to be part of Kindle Unlimited um, well once every 90 days I can either promote that as a countdown deal or I can make it free for 5 days and that sounds so dumb to make anything free how are you making any money out of that well when, when I make it free I invariably sell hard copy and ebook copies of that book exponentially increases. and then for every page that is read by those who claim it for free, I get
0: a few cents payment for each of those pages. So
1: so it's a great time to be an author. It's a great time to be learning some of these things, and I, I just wish I'd learned them three and five years ago because the, the, the vine is climbing over the wall. I, I'm invited to preach events that are a long, long way out of the realm of the United Pentecostal Church these days because of some of my writing and, and uh, also because of a, a weekly webcast that I've kind of been on a hiatus from called Ministry Monday. Um, so, again, it's just the question, what's changed? Every single thing about the process has changed. And it's it's pretty well all
0: good for an author if he doesn't go with vanity press. Now, if he goes with vanity press, he
1: still end up eating a lot of books with salt and pepper.
0: So, you... The whole reason we actually talked about doing this episode is you mentioned how that you're passionate uh, about there being more uh, authentic apostolic writers. Um, So for many people, um, you know, when they have an idea of a book, they might feel uh, overwhelmed with how to go about it. Um, and you, you talked a little bit about that, but what are, what are some steps you consistently take to complete a book?
1: Well, and the, and the key word there is consistent. Um, the book lot, I did not handle consistently. That became a nightmare before it was through because I just, in my writing, somehow I just, I just sprayed it all over the place. It was every direction. So. As much time was spent in getting it structured right as was spent in in the initial effort, but done right, you, you have an idea, and then from the idea, I do a rough outline, and a rough outline is just that. It's 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 kind of like the first draft of of a house plan. It's just putting stuff down. It's it's uh, kind of everything that I can think about. And and I do better with that uh, with uh, a yellow legal pad and pen than I do fooling with a computer on it. I'm not sure why. Okay, so now I have an outline. And I will key that in. Okay, and my next step then is going to be what I call a brain dump. And so, okay, just let me think for a minute. I'm, I'm kind of gathering myself mentally for this project on on Gideon. Okay, so my brain dump outline would would probably be begin with Gideon surprised by God, um, and then the next phase would be. Gideon used of God and then okay so now I'm going to come back and in the brain dump I'm going to put into the software everything that I can think of about Gideon and why he would be surprised by God and I will probably go pretty far afield and think of other people in the Bible who were surprised by God. I may come up with two or three illustrations, and I, I tend to use things that have really happened in my life, and I change the names to protect those who, as Brian Parker, our district superintendent, said, the names of those who were not innocent. <laughs> and so uh, all of that, goes into the brain dump it's it's just stuff everything you can everything that you can think of so now i've done that for all these sections or parts of the outline i'm going to go back and in each chapter each section i'm going to look at what i dumped in there and i'm going to begin writing it in sentences and paragraphs and and uh this is the creative part of it all of this so far is the creative side of it um, it's not the finished carpentry it's it's this is this is the rough work and so uh, during this time now there, there are people I'm sure who write differently but for me I can't switch gears from being uh, creative to being a finished carpenter so right now I'm just putting everything on Every sentence, every paragraph, everything that I can write down. And I don't allow myself to do any editing. There'll be misspelled words. Um, I just don't, I don't worry about grammar or worry about, we're going to come back over this way more times than I want to before we're through. So I want to keep the creative juice flowing. Okay. So now I've got a bunch of stuff and it may well be 200 pages. Book ends up being 120. Uh so now I, I begin to work with finding a cover designer. I mentioned Freelancer and Fiverr and I use those. also I have others that, that I use were are here in America. I'm not, um, I'm not the least fit graphics oriented. So I have to tell a person what the book's about. They ask, well, what do you envision as a cover? I say, I'm clueless. I have no idea. You take what I've said and whatever's come to your mind, you just toss a couple of concepts out at me. Um, I would say to anybody who decides to write, don't do your cover yourself and don't let your friend from down the street do it unless he is a he or she is a professional designer. Uh, because the thing that motivates people to pick up a book whenever it's in a at an event a hard copy is the cover the back cover is second most important so all of these things have to start working on so now i've got all of this material and at this stage i have learned some things that i want to do research on and uh I do the research as I work through the paragraphs or as I work through the chapters again. And at this juncture, what I'm looking at is about twelve rewrites of this of this material. And rewrite is sentence by sentence, is paragraph by paragraph. Um it's it's clarifying, it's it's eliminating unnecessary words. I, I delete the paragraphs, I decide that chapter don't fit here. Anything that I delete, I try to save because I may use it somewhere else at some point. Um, one one fellow who is a uh, instructor of writers made the observation there are no good writers. There are only good rewriters. Um, and I'm asked pretty often to review books for some of our writers. And that's where I see some real weakness is that not enough time is spent on rewriting the thing to make sure that all of the throwaway words are eliminated, that the sentences that don't advance the project forward, because it, writing is different from speaking. With speaking, we get to say the
0: same thing in three different ways because each of those sentences speaks to a
1: different person in the audience, the way we express it. In writing, you get to say it one time, and so you have to boil all of that. Out. You have to, you have to get it just where it's really down. So, I, I'm looking to polish, to polish, to polish. I, I want my books to be just like somebody picking up Andy Stanley's book on Visionary, or or one of uh, Swindoll's books back from years ago. I want, I want it to be professional looking I want the layout to be professional I want it to I want it right in every sense of the word so that takes time and it takes being willing to submit some of my own creativity and say you know what this doesn't fit I need to I need to throw this away it's it's kind of (coughs) like it's kind of like preaching and teaching Um, in both instances um, you leave a lot of good stuff on the cutting room floor Uh, and if if you use all of it you muddy it up and so my goal is to think in each chapter okay where am I going with this and then make sure that everything in that chapter moves us to that destination and uh, so it's hard work but It's it's all good.
0: So what are some observations um, that you could make uh, about the current uh, world of writing, publishing, and marketing a book in the Pentecostal uh, world? Well,
1: uh, obviously the largest um, provider of such material has, has been the Pentecostal Publishing House. The Pentecostal Assemblies of the World now has their own publishing department, but it, it's pretty well focused on adult literature. They really don't have a bookstore. The, the Worldwide Pentecostal Fellowship has a bookstore. Um, it's pretty well focused on, primarily, not totally, but, but largely focused on people who are part of their organization so uh i think what's changed for the better is all of our having the ability to build our own platform and sell using amazon or our own website as opposed to waiting on a particular publisher to to market it or push it out at a conference or or an event um. So, you know, pretty often I'll have people ask me what they should do with a book, and and my my default setting these days, Brandon, is is that they should self publish if they're going to to market
0: the book, if they're going to to try, or if they're traveling out and
1: about they're much more likely to come out actually breaking even or possibly even making a bit of money if if they're willing to do that um, I'm trying to learn how to market my books, I would much rather uh, find somebody who already excels in that area um, I've had several missteps in, in trying to find that person and uh, I think I'm on the right course maybe but if there's somebody who listens to this, and uh, that's their forte, then I'm very willing to, very interested in talking with them because um, when when my stuff's marketed, it sells, when, and it when it's not marketed, it doesn't move. So, um, but all of that, you know, has has changed. What's not changed is is that our our different organizations. Including a large segment of people who, and pastors who are simply independent apostolics, we all have institutional silos. And so the various publishers or marketers that I mentioned, they don't cross pollinate. And as I have done events for the Pentecostal Seminaries of the World, I've run up on incredible material, books that are so deep theologically that they, would, that they would rival anything that we've had written. But we're unaware of that material. Because, and so one of the things that I would like to see happen is, is for there to be a, a way of raising awareness. And I, I think that's going to come.
0: Could you share something with our listeners uh, that you see as being particularly impacting uh, for contemporary authors? Well,
1: I I don't know that this is totally impacting but um, several years ago I did a series of blogs I I don't think think it's four years back. I did a series of blogs on on, uh, writing and it's time to write. I think was the whole series. Um, when I got through with it, I put it into a PDF booklet, and you know that's available for anybody to, to that wants it. Uh, if they'll email me at Carlton Coons Sr. and that's my name, S R, no blanks anywhere, at gmail.com. I'll uh, I'll have somebody on our staff get that to them uh there will be a few things that will have changed but not a not a great deal most of what will have changed will have been uh simply uh improvements uh there is a book that i read and i can't give you the author but uh, uh, um it really helped me when i wrote that first book and it was on publishing writing publishing and marketing your own book and it was it was very thorough, and I, I just followed it step by step when I did the daily things Christianly. So, the, those resources, and these days, of course, there are all kinds of of uh, courses at Teachable and Udemy that are very inexpensive for learning how to write, but. I don't know how to say this without it coming off as a little bit too blunt, but intelligent people won't tolerate rotten grammar and misspelled words and stuff
0: like that. So that that's where, you know, I do 12
1: rewrites and then I hire an editor who goes through it yet again right. and it's a good investment because she will see things, she'll pick up things, she'll, uh, she'll say, you know, this paragraph doesn't make sense. And pretty often I'll send it back to her and say, well, damn, make it make sense, you know. I'm tired of writing on this book, you fix it. And uh, so, you know, some of that I think would help is, is to just go in, take a course and say, you know, I want to write, but I want to write correctly.
0: So I I actually I wrote and published a book uh, called Matters of the Heart, um, and it's just exploring what the Bible says about about the heart of man and, and how that is involved in um, you know Christian living and, and living right and uh, So when I was you know going about that, I actually I went through uh, a vanity publisher because I didn't have right. I didn't have anybody that said hey you should stay away right. from those and and so I mean it it cost me more than I'll probably ever make off the books right um, and that's me. so and you know I'm the the purpose of publishing the book wasn't it wasn't for me to make money it was so I could impact the lives of the readers whoever takes the opportunity to read that book the goal is is that it'll edify them and help them to grow right. spiritually um so the next time so i I'm, I'm actually working on several books i've plan on releasing eight books uh this year um both on a wide range of topics um I, I bought i bought the chicago manual of style the most recent one so i could read that and and know you know the right way i i bought uh, a book about editing correctly and then i also bought uh, the christian uh writer's manual of style um these are all great resources for anybody they who's are. looking to write a book um because it's gonna it's gonna give you the formats it's gonna tell you how to use um uh, you know quotation marks or, or how to put uh bible verses in there and i mean it goes through pretty much anything you would need to know about uh writing and that has been a very helpful tool for me personally um and uh so if you feel like god has given you something to write we're encouraging you to pursue that there you can do it
1: yeah well and i and i think i think the other thing that that needs to be put out there is is it's it's a very rare thing for someone to be effective if they only write one book because it, it's the skills are learned they're improved there there have been people who were one hit wonders and in, in their novels and and one hit wonders i'm sure in nonfiction as well but that's that's rare and what i've discovered is that each of my books builds my audience and and the outreach continues. I have people now that uh, when I do a pre-release of uh, Daily Things of Christian Living and its price, I will have several hundred people who will immediately order that book at the discount price. Um, Years ago, I would not have had that. And... And the numbers increase every time I write another book. So, uh, I I, I want to emphasize. I want to follow up and echo what you said. Uh, don't just write, but keep writing. And you know, I'm I'm gonna. I, I've got. I've been involved in a um, another business that was part of my vocational pastoring, um, but. I don't say what I'm about to say very often, but I really felt very, very strongly that the Lord spoke to me to, to get out of that because he wanted, to, he wanted to expand the impact of this. And you can't do two things with, with time. You, you, you're going to spend it one way or you're going to spend it another. And so that business was detracting from my writing. And as I listen to podcasts of people who write fiction particularly, um, some song fiction, but it is amazing how prolific some of those people are being. Now, I don't know, I, I don't know how good the quality is, but um, I, I intend to do as you're doing. My the, the little series I'm doing on Keep It Simple Saints, I've done the personal devotion one. I, I really think that I can do one of those a quarter if I. Just lock down on it and then do two or three other books every year that are considerably more extensive than than those Keep It Simple Saints books. So don't just write, but keep writing is, is my thought. Yeah. And I mean, find a way to sell it. Find a way to build a platform, which is usually going to be through Twitter, Facebook, instagram linkedin uh, where that you have your own website you do blog posts you're, you're you're constantly trying to give people something that helps them be better in some aspect of life and uh, it can even be video based blogs it can be but you you've got to build a platform and you got to grow it and try to keep growing it. And uh, you know, my email list is is sixty seven hundred, I think. But I would like for it to be sixty seven thousand. So, if I more names that are on there, more difference it makes.
0: Right. So, you heard it, folks, from Brother Coombe Write a book about it. Right. Right. And then keep writing. You keep writing. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, finish that one. And while, while, while it's getting out and being marketed initially
0: in your launch and pre-launch, start writing the next one. Amen. This podcast is made possible because of listeners like you who are willing to bridge the gap. We now have a sponsorship program on our Anchor website in which you can become a monthly sponsor of $1, $5, or $10 a month. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook.